Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicNPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Jerry Stengel, who is Research Advisor for American Express. Today we will discuss the State of Women-Owned Businesses Report. Jerry is president of VentureNear. She has taught entrepreneurship at the New School, facilitated Kaufman Fast Track courses for entrepreneurs, researched best practices in social media for businesses, and founded a company that provides training and online resources to entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to break through the $1 million revenue level. Jerry was a board member for the New York City chapter of the National Association of Women Business Owners for eight years. She was recognized as one of 17 inspiring women to watch in 2017 in Inc. In 2016, she became a mentor for the WE New York City, WENYC, and in 2015, she won the Madam C.J. Walker Business Leadership Award from the National Minority Business Council. She was named a 2013 and 2012 Small Business Influencer. Jerry, welcome. Delighted to be here. What exactly is the State of Women-Owned Businesses report? So for the past eight years, American Express has been measuring uh, the progress of uh, women-owned businesses. So uh, the Census Bureau on a uh, every five-year basis uh, does the survey of business owners, and the last time they did it was in 2012. And uh, on behalf of American Express, my company, uh, in conjunction with uh, Core Woman, uh, projects those numbers on an annual basis. So we uh, use the census data, and then um, um, in combination with gross national domestic product at the national state, local, and industry level, adjust those numbers on an annual basis. The most recent data from the census for this particular report is from 2012, and then you're making projections based on that, so that's six years old. Is that my understanding correctly? Correct, correct. When is the next one? So the next time the Census Bureau will release new numbers will be uh, in 20. 19, but it will be, to the best of my knowledge, it will be the 2017 numbers, uh, and they're also changing methodology, so it won't be the survey of business owners. So just stay tuned uh, for next summer. <laughs> next summer, so summer of 2019. Yeah, yeah. Is the information that the U.S. Census gathers from women business owners mandatory? How does, what is that like? So they do a survey. I think it's about 600,000 businesses respond. So it's not all, you know, uh, uh, nearly 30 million small businesses that are out there that get interviewed for this. They take a subset, uh, but they take a very substantial subset. As I said, I think it's about 600,000 uh, surveys that they um, uh, put out there. So it's pretty comprehensive. Um, and um, really the Bible uh, in terms of uh, the numbers that are out there. And why do the businesses answer these questions? Um, because the more we know about the businesses, the more that we can help them. So, um, you know, uh, resource, resources are allocated based on census information. So, um, uh, you know, it's how... Uh, government allocates uh, 
teachers. Uh, we know it more, um, you know, on a, uh, a personal level, but certainly, uh, for example, the Small Business Administration spends money on women's business centers or on business development centers across the country. So this is one uh, tool that they would use to determine uh, how to uh, allocate those funds. And how is the survey administered? Is this something they receive in the mail or electronically? Uh, so so it, it is uh, or it was done by mail. Um, I believe in the future it may be electronically. Are all of the states represented among the 600,000 women-owned businesses that respond? Absolutely. <laughs> so Alaska, Hawaii, um, uh, everybody is represented uh, in the survey. And in addition to the U.S. Census, you work with other data. Tell us a little bit more about that data and we can go so from there. This, yeah, so for this report, uh, which is the State of Women-Owned Businesses, I'm really relying uh, just on the Census Bureau and projecting it using, uh, as I said, the gross domestic uh, uh, product figures, um, you know, at the national, state, and local level. And that data is also government data? Correct. What has this year's report, what are the projections from this year telling you? You have some interesting findings, right? Yes, we do. So, um, you know, women-owned businesses are a growing economic uh, powerhouse for the country. Uh, they uh, have grown uh, by, in, in terms of uh, numbers, over the past 11 years from 2007 to 2018 uh, by 58% uh, versus all firms which uh, their numbers have only grown by 12%. So uh, women are uh, starting businesses uh, by the droves and in particular women of color. So women of color are starting businesses at about three times the rate of uh, overall women-owned businesses. And how do you define women of color for purposes of this discussion? So for purposes of this discussion, it's African-American, it's Latina, it's Asian, it's Native uh, American and Alaskan, and then Hawaii and Pacific Islanders. So that's a little bit tricky if it's certainly for Hispanic market purposes, Hispanic is a self-definition. So you may have people from the same family who consider themselves Hispanic and others who don't. How do you reach the conclusion that someone is Hispanic for purposes of this analysis? So it's the Census Bureau. So what they're doing is um, uh, they're asking uh, a variety of questions to get at race and ethnicity. Uh, so it's sort of a two-part question, um, and yes, it is self-identified, um, and you know that's the pros and cons of doing a survey. Uh, but it is one of the most accurate uh, surveys that is out there. That's kind of the big picture that we're seeing. Women of color are starting businesses, if I heard you correctly, at three times the national average. Is that right? Correct. Is this the case across the country, or are there pockets in the country where you're seeing women of color 
who are dominating in opening new businesses and then other areas of the country that are more desert-like in that regard? So you would absolutely see differences at the state and local level, and it would really vary quite dramatically by the diversity of the geography. So, you know, if you were in uh, Arizona, uh, which has a large Hispanic population, you would see, you know, strong growth in the percentage of uh, uh, Latina um, entrepreneurs. Uh, If you were um, in Alabama, it would be African-American women. So it's going to vary dramatically in a city like New York, New York, where I'm based. Um, you would have uh, um, diversity in just about every category. So you would have uh, Asian Americans, African American uh, uh, um, Americans, as well as uh, uh, Latinas. Do where do Native Americans fall? It's a very small percentage, uh, but again, in states like um, uh, Arizona, um, uh, you know, in uh, um, uh, the Midwest, you would see um, higher percentages uh, as opposed to, you know, let's say in New York City. What else? are you seeing in terms of trends? Are there particular kinds of businesses that women are more likely to open? Yeah, so um, we absolutely see um, uh, uh, more women starting what's called uh, other services businesses, and those uh, other services are things like nail salons, hair salons, and pet care. Uh, women also start businesses um, uh, such as uh, healthcare and social assistance companies, and those are child care, um, uh, child daycare, uh, home health care. And then women are also starting a lot of professional scientific and technical services companies, and those would include lawyers, bookkeepers, architects, and public relations firms. Um, and um, uh, what we didn't do is uh, divide up where the larger companies are coming from, uh, but you're, you would absolutely see larger uh, companies uh, that would fall uh, in other categories as well. Um, and, you know, um, I see it anecdotally that women are starting a lot of uh, tech-enabled companies. So um, you might be starting um, a real estate company or a um, a legal company, but you're using uh, technology as the infrastructure uh, to make you more efficient. Tech-enabled as opposed to tech companies. Yes, correct. And uh, that's one of the things that the census doesn't capture. Uh, so they would uh, capture sort of the big picture of uh, IT companies, which would be a very small percentage. But really, um, most companies at this point um, have some technology uh, at the, uh, uh, you know, uh, driving their infrastructure. Why do you think, do you have any theories, have you done any analysis as to what is driving this growth of women-owned businesses in general? Yeah, so um, since the recession, um, uh, uh, women have been turning to entrepreneurship out of necessity. So uh, because they uh, weren't able to find either quality employment or weren't uh, unemployed um, over, I would say, the last 10 years, so 2000 and, 
2007 to 2017, you really saw mostly necessity entrepreneurship driving the numbers. Uh, and then this past year, uh, we're seeing opportunity uh, entrepreneurship uh, come back. And opportunity entrepreneurship is when you see a hole in the marketplace and you believe that you have the right um, service or product to fill that unmet need, uh, and you launch a company around that. And those companies tend to be larger and more successful, uh, and that uh, we're seeing in the last year a dramatic uptick in those kinds of uh, firms starting. What about the particular growth of three times the national average in the area of women of color? What are you seeing there? So um, necessity entrepreneurship uh, uh, has driven women of color uh, most especially uh, to entrepreneurship. So there was uh, a need to uh, either uh, do it as full-time or to supplement income. Uh, but again, uh, in the last year, uh, I would say that all women um, are uh, turning to opportunity entrepreneurship. But um, yes, uh, um, women of color are still starting what's known as necessity entrepreneurship. And um, I think it's more out of frustration with the wage gap. What can you tell us about that? So the wage gap is much greater for um, uh, women of color um, uh, in the workforce than it would be for uh, non-minority women. I saw somewhere that women of color were earning about six cents on the dollar. No, I think it's more like 60 uh, cents. I'm sorry, 60 cents. Yes. Thank you for that correction. (laughs) 60 cents on the dollar. I know it's not good, but it's not that (laughs) bad. (laughs) Thank you for that correction. Is Is that still accurate? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I think that... Um, uh, women of color are educated, have skill sets, and they uh, believe that they can do better uh, out in the entrepreneurship world, and that's why they're turning to entrepreneurship. What are you seeing in terms of age? Is it women straight out of college that are choosing the entrepreneur path? Is it Gen Xers? Is it boomers? Is it silent? Who, who's doing this? So that was one of the uh, most fascinating things uh, in this research report. So for the first time, we took a look at um, age and race and ethnicity, uh, and we really saw a very different pattern um, uh, emerge. So, for example, um, a much greater percentage of African-American women are millennials. So 40% of uh, African-American women are, uh, again, millennials uh, versus uh, Asian and Latinas um, uh, have a higher concentration in uh, Gen X, and non-minority have a greater concentration uh, as baby boomers. So that, to me, was fascinating. And uh, the reason that this is important is um, that uh, the more business experience you have, uh, the more likely you are to be successful. So um, successful entrepreneurs overall tend to start in their 
uh, late 30s and early uh, 40s uh, when, um, you know, uh, they've accumulated um, business experience. Uh, they've built out their uh, business network so they uh, know uh, people uh, in the industry that they're going to be uh, entering uh, into. Um, and then they've also uh, accumulated some wealth. So they have a savings account. Uh, they've probably saved some money that they're going to use during the period that, um, you know, they're starting up and maybe that they're not covering all of their expenses so that they have to uh, use their own money. Uh, and they also uh, may uh, have connections to uh, banks, um, uh, angel investors, and venture capitalists. So uh, uh, you wouldn't have that usually until you're a little uh, more seasoned, a little bit more mature in terms of uh, your business experience. So what – do you have a number that you can share with us? What percentage of – Small businesses in the United States are owned by women. So 40% of uh, all businesses are now owned uh, by women. Um, and the progress of women is sort of uneven, so we're making a huge progress in terms of uh, our share of overall businesses, but not necessarily uh, in terms of uh, – uh, total of employment and uh, revenues. So uh, employment, uh, we represent only 8% and revenues 4%. And part of the reason for that is uh, we also have, uh, you know, the uh, um, public companies are included in that all business category. Uh, so you've got the really, really huge companies, but even if you took them out, uh, that percentage wouldn't go up uh, very dramatically. It would uh, just go up a couple of points. Does that mean that these women-owned businesses are small and tend to employ fewer staff and take, tend to be less profitable than non-women-owned businesses? Yes, that is correct. So um, there is a variety of reasons. So there are different types of entrepreneurs. So uh, we talked about necessity entrepreneurs and opportunity entrepreneurs, uh, but there are also lifestyle entrepreneurs. So uh, uh, whether it's a woman or a man, uh, they start their businesses because they're passionate about uh, something in particular. And while they certainly want to be profitable, uh, the overall um, uh, goal is not to be the biggest that you could possibly be. It's just uh, about um, having a particular lifestyle and being able to work when and where uh, you want. Um, and then there's also uh, what I call family legacy businesses, uh, and those would be the types of companies that uh, might be handed down to a woman entrepreneur. So uh, my parents wanted to hand down their small business to me. Um, I did not want to do it. <laughs> so it's funny that I, uh, uh, in the long run, ended up as a uh, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, but at that you know, time, you know, after college, um, I did not want to uh, go into, you know, a small, uh, uh, into a small business. Uh, I wanted to, you know, get corporate experience. Uh, and um, those types of businesses uh, frequently are started by women. Uh, again, um, uh, some of them are handed down to women, but for other women, it's that they want to employ family members and take care of their family um, uh, uh, as part of their business. What kind of longevity do these women-owned businesses have? In other words, 
they're not making a lot of money compared to other businesses. They're not employing a lot of people, but are they staying viable? So we didn't um, look at uh, births and deaths of companies by gender, but I can talk a little bit uh, about generalities. So in general, uh, um, uh, within a five-year period of time, uh, about 50% of all businesses uh, go out of business. Uh, So, you know, starting a business is certainly risky. Uh, In some cases, that's not a bad thing. So for necessity entrepreneurs, when the economy uh, returns to good health, uh, frequently those entrepreneurs return to the workforce because they can make more money uh, back in the workforce. So it's not necessarily bad that um, uh, people go back uh, into the workforce. Um, and then uh, just overall trends, um, there's an overall trend that uh, uh, businesses are becoming smaller and smaller. So um, uh, technology is increasing productivity. So um, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a woman-owned business or, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, businesses in general, uh, everybody's uh, uh, overall employing fewer people because of technology. Uh, And then the other trend uh, that's impacting that is um, that uh, uh, businesses are using uh, freelancers or subcontractors, so they're not necessarily um, on staff. Um, and that not, might not be because, you know, people don't want to pay, you know, uh, insurance costs. It could be that you need small amounts of an expert and you would be better off hiring um, somebody um, on a part-time uh, basis as opposed to on a full-time basis. Is this staying small and perhaps not remaining as a business for many years, a reflection of difficulties in getting business once they're up and running? Are they encountering challenges for whatever reasons, inexperience, discrimination, whatever the reasons are? Do you have any knowledge of what is driving that? So, uh, again, I'll turn back to uh, um, uh, the fact that uh, the more you're uh, uh, the more seasoned you are, the more likely you are uh, to have the experience, uh, the network, uh, and the uh, within that network access to capital. So those three, three things are going to make you more successful. Uh, women, uh, by nature, uh, like to form uh, deeper relationships, uh, and as a result, their networks tend to be more narrow. Uh, and this is one of those things that uh, women need to take uh, a page out of uh, men's playbook uh, because it's uh, the wider uh, and more shallow relationships uh, that actually generate uh, more opportunities. So uh, you need to know lots of people and to be going out with them and just chit-chatting um, and um, uh, asking people uh, in your industry uh, for support, and that's sometimes what women um, are uncomfortable doing. So, um, you know, my advice would be um, to, you know, uh, go out for a beer and, um, you know, get to know somebody and not to be um, intimidated and to uh, have an ask. Uh, and that ask could be, you know, do you know a business similar to me? Uh, so it doesn't have to be a very uh, big ask because uh, you, you know, in order to 
uh, um, uh, build that asking muscle, um, starting with small requests uh, um, are going to make it easier uh, so that somebody isn't going to say no to you. Um, so, you know, ask for something easy, like, do you know other entrepreneurs that are just like me that, you know, I might network with? I recently saw a number, an estimate of 13 million jobs that would be lost to automation in the next 10 years. Do you think that is going to play a major role in this demographic that we're discussing? What would you say to that? So technology is absolutely um, um, making companies more efficient, but in that efficiency, I think uh, uh, women um, and men uh, will be seeing opportunities in the market. So uh, the opportunity entrepreneurs in particular um, see something out there uh, that they can fulfill a, a need for, and women um, uh, have a greater likelihood of being uh, an opportunity entrepreneur uh, than men. So they see more opportunities and needs in the market that need to be fulfilled. What can you tell us about geography? Let's dig into that a little bit further. I see on the report, for example, four states, I guess it's five, but two are tied, that show the fastest growth. Would you tell us about those? So uh, we have a couple of different uh, metrics uh, in the report. Uh, one is called economic clout, and uh, economic clout is where we're measuring uh, the growth over the 11-year period of time uh, from 2007 to uh, 2018, uh, and we're measuring the growth uh, in number of firms, the growth in employment, and the growth in uh, revenues. Um, and uh, what we wanted to do with uh, both that and uh, employment vitality, which is measuring the growth in just employment and the average size, is we wanted to develop metrics that sort of leveled the playing field so that uh, larger states or cities wouldn't always uh, dominate uh, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the rankings. Uh, and we saw something really interesting uh, where really less populous states um, like uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, and Tennessee uh, are uh, performing uh, extremely well, uh, as well as uh, populous states like uh, a Texas and a Georgia. So, for example, from 2007 to 2018, the states with the fastest growth rate in terms of women-owned firms were Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Tennessee, and South Carolina? Ah, so uh, we're talking about two different sets of numbers. So uh, those are overall growth rates uh, just in the number of businesses, and I was talking about the um, uh, growth in economic clout. So in terms of the um, overall uh, numbers, so um, yes, uh, you would tend to see a growth uh, parallel uh, where population uh, where populations are moving, so uh, 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 there is a trend to move to warmer, um, uh, more affordable states. Uh, so you would definitely see uh, an increase uh, in um, you know states in the south or uh, in the Midwest. So, for example, I'm looking at 
under the geographic trends for U.S. women-owned businesses section of the report. And the, the two places that stand out to me for their absence, where I would have expected a great deal of entre- entrepreneurialism, are not on the list at all, which are New York, California and Florida traditionally are the three forward-moving states in the country, as far as I know. And New York and California, I don't see represented in either one of these lists. Florida is the only one of the three. What would you say about that? So, um, again, it was a deliberate uh, strategy on our part to develop uh, a metric that could measure uh, and uh, um, uh, measure growth, so that it would level the playing field, so that uh, a New York uh, and uh, a California wouldn't dominate the numbers. So we were looking at growth rates as opposed to, let's say, uh, the the number of women-owned businesses. So, uh, as a state, uh, California certainly has the most uh, women-owned businesses. Um, I mean, I, I might have the, the numbers wrong uh, in order, uh, but certainly Texas and Florida would be two and three, and then probably in fourth place would be uh, New York. Uh, so we have different measures so that you can understand um, uh, why uh, different states and metropolitan areas um, are uh, uh, doing uh, well or not well. Um, and uh, certainly uh, in high-growth uh, women entrepreneurs, um, California would do very well, New York would do very well, uh, but we're not diving down into uh, that level of detail. What can you tell us, for example, it's so much, I think, in people's minds because so many of the very successful, very profitable, if we use the bottom line or publicly traded companies as a measure, are, so many of those companies are coming from that part of the country. What can you tell us about STEM and specifically companies in Silicon Valley and the surrounding areas? What have you seen in terms of women ownership there? So um, this report uh, would not um, actually go into that. Uh, so uh, part of the reason is that um, uh, the Census Bureau does not measure tech-enabled so um, those women are going to be scattered across a variety of industries, and there would be no way in this specific uh, report to uh, get at that data. Um, I can tell you anecdotally that um, uh, women are uh, certainly starting those really high potential uh, uh, businesses. Uh, certainly, you know, um, a lot of female founders have been making news these days uh, with uh, going public or passing that billion dollar uh, in valuation mark, um, and that um, those women are becoming role models so uh, for the next generation of women entrepreneurs. So uh, from my um, experience and my opinion is sort of uh, the, re- the best is yet to come, uh, and that's because we have um, more and more women that are uh, stepping up. Um, uh, They have bold ideas, they're very ambitious, and they are making um, uh, their company, uh, they are uh, raising huge amounts of money and growing their companies very, very large. But that's not, um, we would not be able to have gotten uh, at that level of uh, company within this report. 
Where so, uh, yeah, so so I'm going to expand that a little bit. Uh, so the measure that would come closest to that is we took a look at million-dollar companies. Uh, so, you know, I'm talking about um, hundreds of millions of dollar companies, uh, you know, that are coming out of like a San Francisco and uh, a New York City and maybe a Boston. Uh, but the growth in million-dollar women-owned businesses uh, over the last 11 years has been um, uh, quite dramatic. So um, uh, the growth rate over uh, from 2007 to 2018 has been 46 percent uh, versus all businesses, which um, uh, uh, the number of firm firms has grown uh, by 12 percent. Um, and uh, both uh, employment and um, revenues uh, far outperform uh, all businesses as well. Both employment, say that again, please. So um, I'm I'm just looking up the number because I don't remember it off the top of my head. So, uh, for example, um, the growth rate in the number of firms for million-dollar businesses is 46% versus all businesses is 12%. Employment growth over that 11-year period of time is 30% for million-dollar businesses versus for all businesses it's um, a, a decline of 0.8%, and then the growth rate for revenues of million-dollar uh, women-owned businesses is 45%, um, and then I just have to look up the, uh, the growth rate for um, uh, all businesses, which is 36%. If we look at the country as a whole, I'm seeing in the report that four out of every 10 businesses are women-owned, which is what we said earlier, Right. Yep. What percentage of those businesses are owned by women of color? So um, uh, that's a growing statistic, and um, I have to look that up, so uh, just give me a second. Um, uh, Some of the numbers I don't know off the top of my head. So uh, it's a growing percentage of businesses. So uh, women-owned businesses represent, I'm sorry, women of color uh, represent uh, 47% of uh, all women-owned businesses. And is that a number that has been increasing annually? Uh, Yes. Uh, So that's been um, increasing dramatically. Um, over the last 11 years, uh, as I said, um, that, that percentage is 163% and about three times the rate of uh, all women-owned businesses, which is 58%. What, if anything, can we anticipate between now and the release of more data? And as you said, the, the questionnaire is being changed. But what kind of predictions can we make if we're looking to make decisions, uh, say for the, uh, our listeners who are considering making a move, starting their own business or folding? What kind of changes can we anticipate? So if the economy holds strong, then you would expect to have more and more opportunity uh, entrepreneurs. And, again, those opportunity entrepreneurs um, have um, are more likely to be uh, larger companies and have a higher survival rate. Uh, if the uh, economy uh, goes through a downturn, 
then we're going to have more necessity entrepreneurs, and those uh, uh, businesses tend to be smaller and would have uh, a lower uh, survival rate. Do you have any numbers that tell us a little bit more about what happens in the long term to some of those businesses? Are there particular groups of women who, for example, reach that million-dollar mark or that have companies that go public or that open particular kinds of companies? You were talking about service companies, architects, public relations practitioners, lawyers, daycare, hair salons. Are there businesses or business categories, et cetera, that when you looked at the long-term 10-year mark or further, you saw trends for? Yeah, so, I mean, certainly uh, certain industries are growing, but sometimes it's because they're really tiny. So, uh, for example, utilities as an industry for women-owned businesses has grown quite dramatically um, and had the highest growth rate. Uh, but I wouldn't um, run out and start a utilities company uh, just because the growth rate is uh, high. Um, you're going to start um, a business in the uh, sector or industry that you have the greatest uh, expertise in. Uh, you certainly might want to start a business by looking at overall uh, trends and uh, um, uh, absolutely uh, evaluating uh, marketplace uh, conditions. Um, I would say that the other services category and the healthcare and social uh, assistance uh, categories, those uh, types of businesses tend to be very, very small, uh, in particular the um, nail and hair salons and the pet, uh, pet care uh, businesses. Uh, and one reason that those businesses uh, might be so small is that they uh, might be part-time businesses and not, um, you know, 40-hour-a-week businesses. So those might be businesses that women are starting uh, to supplement um, uh, the fact that, you know, their um, uh, regular day job is not um, covering all of their expenses. In terms of, for example, the demographic picture of the country, if we look at people who are going into the work environment and people who are retiring for example, the baby boomers who are looking for care in ALFs and the like, what, if anything, can you recommend to our listeners who are looking to establish themselves in their own business, as you were saying, because of the wage gap, perhaps because of opportunities in the marketplace, obstacles to entry, et cetera? So certainly healthcare and social assistance uh, is a category that's uh, growing uh, dramatically um, uh, uh, in terms of women-owned businesses. They're going to tend to be smaller uh, businesses, but um, a woman uh, might see an opportunity using technology. Um, and I've spoken to, you know, women across the country which are creating you know, platforms where you might connect to healthcare, uh, you know, to caregivers. Uh, so that would be an example of you might show up uh, in the healthcare and social assistance uh, category, uh, but you're tech-enabled, you may be um, actually raising venture capital, and you might ultimately be a very, very big business. What about entertainment. I would think that that was an area with a low barrier to entry that would present many opportunities for women 
Do you see any evidence of that? Um, so I, I would say that I see a bigger opportunity um, in the um, uh, in the accommodation and food services. So restaurants and um, uh, uh, um, food manufacturing or specialty food manufacturing. So um, I think that that's uh, a category that uh, you would have larger size businesses uh, and that there is a um, uh, um, a real opportunity. Uh, that said, restaurants are um, one of the toughest kinds of businesses to be in. Uh, you know, they have uh, one of the lower uh, survival rates. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, uh, um, uh, a good restaurant um, is going to attract a lot of people. Uh, it's certainly, you know, one of the harder businesses to be in. Uh, and then uh, just in food manufacturing, um, I see a lot of women uh, starting businesses in that category. Uh, and, again, those businesses could grow quite substantially. Uh, you know, they could be doing business with the Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, or any, you know, grocery store, uh, and they tend to start locally, uh, then they branch out regionally, and then they go to nation, uh, 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 grow nationally. How about physicians? Wouldn't women who graduate from medical school, I read recently there are more women graduating from medical school than men, wouldn't they go on to open their own practices? Would that fall under women-owned businesses? Uh, it would absolutely fall under women-owned businesses. Um, I'm looking at the broad categories uh, within the census uh, data, so um, I'm not sure if that would fall in healthcare and social uh, assistance. And actually, I'm guessing that's where it would fall. Uh, so, um, you know, certainly those are very large, substantial businesses. Some of those are going to be multi-physician practices and could be uh, quite substantive. Uh, and grow to that, you know, we talked about the growth in million-dollar uh, businesses. Uh, so they certainly, um, you know, uh, 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 certainly uh, women are starting uh, uh, bigger businesses in that category. Where would lawyers fall? Lawyers fall in the professional, scientific, and uh, technical services category, and certainly we've seen a lot of growth in women uh, becoming lawyers. And again, uh, they may be part of a large practice or they may ultimately, you know, start their own practice and it might be um, uh, a handful of lawyers, uh, but that could, you know, uh, certainly be a substantive size uh, business, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, potentially a million dollar plus business. But perhaps because they're oftentimes partnerships, it might not be listed as a women-owned business. Could that be it? So um, um, the way that we're looking at the numbers is that you have to be 51% owned by women, uh, but certainly there are businesses that are um, equally owned, uh, and that would represent about 48% of all uh, businesses if you uh, put in the equally owned, the 8% that are equally owned. Uh, the partnerships, um, um, they certainly would be measured here. Um, if it's 51% uh, owned by um, uh, women, so it, it could be a mostly uh, women-owned firm. Uh, maybe they specialize in divorce, uh, 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 divorce, um, and uh, they would definitely fall. And you know, you would see them in the, you know, in this research. Uh, but I'm not looking uh, at lawyers specifically. 
specifically, I'm looking at the broad category of professional scientific and technical services. How many people, for example, would you say that women-owned businesses employ in the U.S. today? I know these are uh, – you might not be at the tip of your finger, but if you happen to know a roundabout yeah, number. Yeah, sorry about that. I have to look that one up. So uh, nine, uh, women employ uh, 9.2 uh, million uh, people. Uh, there are, you know, 12.3 million firms, uh, and they employ 9.2 million business, uh, sorry, 9.2 employees, um, and most businesses do not have employees, so that's why that number is smaller than the number of firms. I've been getting that question a lot this year. Do you anticipate that that is going to continue because of the tech enablement that you referred to earlier? So I think um, there's a couple of uh, uh, factors uh, that are going to impact that number. So I think that, you know, if we have good economic times and we see more opportunity entrepreneurs, those businesses are going to be larger. Uh, but you also have um, uh, uh, the, the factors that I talked about that tech-enabled businesses are uh, going to be employing uh, fewer people. Um, and um, a lot of companies are using subcontractors and uh, uh, freelancers. So you've got um, um, forces that would be growing the number and then forces that would be shrinking the number. Would those contractors be listed as small businesses on their own or only if they've been incorporated? How would that work? So, yes, that's actually a very good question. So they would be showing up. Um, as uh, businesses. So uh, it doesn't matter whether you're um, an S-Corp, a C-Corp, uh, an LLC, or a limited partnership, um, or you're, uh, um, uh, you know, a solopreneur, uh, uh, you know, a, a sole proprietor, um, you're going to show up in these numbers. Uh, so if you're part of, you know, uh, the freelance economy or the gig economy, uh, you're going to be part of these numbers. Have you seen evidence, I know the data is not quite up to today, but have you seen evidence that the tariff wars, as it were, are affecting this space? Uh, not at all. So um, uh, 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 the tariff wars started this year. So uh, my numbers, uh, uh, gross domestic uh, product, would be based on 2017 numbers that were released in 2018. Uh, so it would be way too soon to see it. And, um, again, because I'm looking at very broad categories, um, I'm not sure that I would see even next year uh, the impact of those, uh, you know, uh, uh, of that on the numbers, unless I really dove down deep into manufacturing and agriculture. What does your experience, do you have any gut feel whether this is going to show up as a significant factor in years to come or? So I, I, um, 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 I think that the more that we can have trade opportunities, um, uh, the more likely all businesses are going to grow, and women as well. So I think that there is a lot of opportunity uh, for exporting. So uh, women entrepreneurs shouldn't just uh, look uh, locally or within their state or nationally to sell their products. They should certainly look 
um, to uh, foreign countries because uh, that's uh, a way of growing uh, your uh, business. And um, actually, um, uh, for the most part, uh, it typically uh, insulates you from swings uh, that are happening in the United States, um, although in this particular case, uh, you would be affected uh, by it if there are tariff wars. Did you look at the influence or the impact of organizations such as the either government organizations designed to help small businesses or nonprofits such as NABO that are designed to facilitate entrepreneurship and specifically entrepreneurship among women or women of color and whether they had any significant effect? So this research does not um, go into that, but I certainly personally believe that um, uh, those resources are critical. So uh, the SBA has women's business centers and uh, uh, business development centers throughout the country, and I think they are a great resource for uh, women um, who uh, uh, are starting their businesses, uh, need to do uh, their first um, uh, business plan for getting started. Uh, they may want to access capital, and uh, those organizations uh, have the connections to um, uh, funders within their local community, and they've pre-vetted uh, those organizations, so, uh, you know, they're going to be the good guys. Um, and uh, organizations like the National Association of Women Business Owners are great for expanding your network. So uh, it's one of the reasons in the 90s that, um, you know, I was part of the National uh, um, Association of Women Business Owners. And, in fact, when I started my business, um, I went to a local uh, women's business development center here in Manhattan, um, and um, I would absolutely recommend doing that. Uh, another type of support that I would recommend is peer support. Um, and um, um, uh, for the most part, I think uh, uh, some of them can be nonprofits, um, you know, like a um, women's president's uh, organization, uh, but that's for multimillion-dollar uh, businesses. Uh, for smaller firms, you'd have to look locally for that peer support or, um, you know, start your own group. So uh, one of my favorite stories about an entrepreneur uh, is that she really wanted her own support group. Um, and at a trade association, she was specifically looking for women in the food industry, um, uh, food services uh, industry, and uh, who were young mothers. So uh, she met two other women. Um, they're not in her state. They um, uh, communicate through a Slack uh, group, uh, and uh, they ask each other things like, you know, what uh, um, uh, when you're at a trade uh, conference, uh, what company do you use for getting your samples uh, uh, out? Uh, to how much do you pay for a babysitter? You mentioned earlier that 12.3 million women-owned businesses are in existence in the U.S. today, if I understood that correctly. Yep. How many of those are Hispanic, for example, or Hispanic-owned? 
uh, I'm going to have to look that one up, so just give me a second. So uh, there are 2 million uh, or 2.1 million uh, Latina uh, businesses, uh, and that's um, 17% of all women-owned businesses, and that they've been growing, uh, the number of firms have been growing uh, by 172% uh, between 2007 and 2018. How does that compare with other women of color? So the general number for women of color is 163%, and then all women would be 58%. So uh, um, Latina uh, women-owned businesses have the highest growth rate of all the um, uh, race and ethnic groups that we looked at. Now, when I'm looking at the report, it says that in 2018, there were 5.8 million minority-owned women-owned businesses, if I'm reading this correctly. Yes, that is correct. And of those, 2.4 million were African-American, so there are more African-American women-owned businesses than Latina women-owned businesses. And then the next number was Asian-American at just over 1 million. Yep. But if I understood what you said a minute ago, Latinas have the fastest growth or the largest growth Growth rate. rate. Correct. And is that expected? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I would say that that goes back and forth between African-Americans and Latinas. So depending on the year, it's going to be African-Americans uh, or it's going to be Latinas. So the growth rate is, uh, you, or it has been uh, since the recession, uh, of either African-American or Latinas, and uh, that is driven by necessity entrepreneurship. What What is the driver on the part of American Express to look at this data. Obviously, they're in the business of making money. Why are they spending money on this analysis? So what gets measured um, uh, gets improved. So um, American Express uh, is a huge supporter of small businesses, and this is one way of supporting small businesses is to make people aware of Uh, the economic uh, impact that women make. So um, they are innovators, they're creating jobs, uh, they're uh, contributing to the overall uh, economic uh, um, engine uh, with their revenues, uh, and they are still um, an uh, uh, untapped uh, economic uh, powerhouse. So, um, you know, by looking at it on an annual basis, um, we bring everybody's attention that um, uh, these numbers can be improved even more. Um, so, again, you know, you brought up the uh, importance of these nonprofits and the SBA, um, that uh, these organizations get the resources that they need uh, so that they can be supporting uh, women um, entrepreneurs as they start and grow their businesses. Uh, it's an important driver for uh, the overall health of the economy um, and, um, you know, I think could contribute uh, substantially uh, for years to come. And, of course, we're talking about real money here. If we look at the revenues numbers in the report, we're seeing, if you have that in front of you, is yes, that I do. One, uh, $1.8 trillion. And if we look at, for example, the subgroups, so we have 59 
from African Americans is that 59 million? Um, so in terms of uh, revenue, yes. Uh, so that's 59 billion with a B. And so for Latinas, uh, 110 billion dollars in revenue uh, in total. And Asian Americans, even though they made a smaller group in the numbers that we were looking at earlier, actually have a high, the highest revenue numbers, yes. right? Yes, that's correct. So uh, they contribute, uh, their revenues uh, in total are uh, $203 billion. And even the Native American, which is in the Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders, there's, we're still looking at significant numbers there. Correct. So Native American uh, and Alaska Native uh, is uh, $11.6 uh, billion, and Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islanders, or $2.6 uh, billion. What suggestions would you share with our listeners who want to have a better understanding of these trends? Perhaps they're thinking of reaching out to these businesses to offer services, products, or perhaps they themselves are thinking of starting a business, growing a business, where can they go to get more information, to learn more about this topic? How would you direct them? So um, I'm going to give advice that I used when I was starting my business. So, again, uh, women's business development centers, there's more than 100 of them across country. Uh, and it's a great way of doing uh, your business plan uh, because you're going to be in a small group uh, of uh, uh, um, uh, women, and you're going to be working with a facilitator who's going to guiding uh, who's going to guide you through the entire process of uh, you know helping you figure out what your idea is if you don't know what it is, uh, figuring out how to research the mar uh, market, so pointing you to you know, uh, in part uh, doing research on the Internet, but it could also be going to the library or doing some of your own market research, you know, like, you know, uh, with an online survey tool. Um, uh, and uh, uh, we'll also be uh, stepping you through how to do your uh, financials and your projections in terms of costs and revenues. Uh, so that is uh, one of the big um, uh, uh, pieces of advice. And you mentioned the National Association of Women Business Owners. Uh, so, again, that would be another great place to uh, meet other women business owners. So um, having peer support uh, is very, very important. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, somebody who is going through um, starting their business and is experiencing the same things you are is going to have a lot of advice for you. Uh, they're also going to be able to recommend um, uh, lawyers and accountants who you're going to need in starting uh, your business. Where can our listeners read the report? Is this available for the public at large? So it's absolutely available um, uh, at the uh, for the public at large, and uh, you certainly could keyword, uh, uh, you know, just type it into Google 2018. Uh, State of Women-Owned Businesses, uh, American Express, or you could go to my website, uh, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-N-E-E-R.com, uh, and then just click on the research section, and then you'll see uh, American Express State of Women-Owned Businesses. 
Your report talks about employment vitality. Very quickly, what is that all about? So, uh, again, it's uh, we looked at two different uh, measures uh, so that we could level the playing field of uh, between the states and um, uh, uh, metropolitan areas, uh, so that um, uh, 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 in in terms of uh, uh, employment vitality, we were looking at uh, growth in overall employment as well as the average size of the business, and then the other uh, one which we talked about was economic clout, uh, which was a combination of growth in terms of revenue. Um, number of firms and employment, and we're you know talking about that period of time of 2007 to 2018, um, and um, you know again uh, you're going to see patterns that might surprise you in terms of you know what pops up um, on the list. So um, uh, a Maine and North Dakota tied uh, you know for number two and number three which you might not expect as states that would be high on the list. Uh, but, you know, because the average size of their businesses is going to be larger, uh, those uh, uh, more rural states pop up um, higher in employment vitality. So they're the more traditional businesses that have not been impacted by technology. And on the other side of that equation, some of the states that we would think would have a very high employment vitality didn't among the low employment vitality states. You list Florida, Arizona, Nebraska, and California. Yeah, yeah. What about we keep hearing about the retirement crisis and how elderly people are having to postpone retirement and are remaining in the workforce either employed or starting their own businesses. Did you see evidence of that in your report? So absolutely. I would not call them elderly since it's my category, baby boomers. <laughs> we are seasoned and mature. Um, and um, so I think we're seeing uh, several things uh, happen uh, with that category. So um, many people who retire still want uh, to contribute, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, to uh, the business world, and uh, so they go out on their own and they, uh, they do it. And others um, need to, so they may not be able to find uh, work. Um, you know, uh, there is uh, age bias, uh, so you know, once you hit 40, you may not um, uh, be as employable as you were uh, in your 20s and your 30s. Uh, and may turn to uh, entrepreneurship, um, you know, out of, uh, again, necessity. So uh, it could be that you still want to be challenged and uh, remain active, uh, and you, what excites you is the business world as opposed to perhaps, you know, playing golf. Um, and uh, so, you know, people stay uh, either part-time or full-time uh, in the business world. Thank you, Jerry, for joining us from New York City. Oh, thank you. It's been a delight speaking with you. And to our audience, you have been listening to Jerry Stengel, who is a research advisor for American Express, who discussed the State of Women-Owned Businesses report. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. 
If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.